Right, and good morning to you. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Amen. I don't know. Did y'all like time change this time? Apparently, the the first service did because we had 70 in first service. Wow. Whoa, this is good. It was kind to us. I pray it was kind to you. I still haven't set my clocks clocks back. You know, we I, I came to church at a quarter of nine this morning. That was kind of weird. You know, mess, it'll mess with your brain. But hey, listen, we're in week number two um, of our series, um, Taking Care of Business. And we're learning and we're being refreshed in our memory that his biz is our biz. Now, I need to tell you, um, after preaching this once already, and I knew it already because I prepared it, you know, it's, it's not... It's a really good, challenging message. It's something we so desperately need to hear. It's like, it's like if your marriage is on the rocks and a counselor came alongside and said, hey, listen, you need to know this, okay? It's like, it's like when you're doing your job at work, you know, and, and you hear, you know, somebody hears the supervisor's not pleased, and so they come down and say, hey, you really need to step it up. Well, this is kind of that kind of a message. It's to be an encouraging message, and my prayer is to be exactly that, but I hope it is a challenging message. Message. Now, if I was naming this, this sermon over again, um, I chose avoiding bankruptcy because I thought that was really catchy. Um, but also, it was short, and titles need to be kind of short, short. But really, I think I would name it avoiding going out of business. That's really the picture, not bankruptcy. That's really the picture. How can we afford um, and, and avoid going out of spiritual business. Well, if you drive around town, um, and it really, even pre-COVID, pre-COVID, you, you could walk around town and you would see uh, that a lot of businesses aren't there anymore. Uh, if you go out, I think it's Arrowhead, if you go out there, um, and you know, here's, here's the old Walmart, and here's the theater on this end, and you've got all these storefronts um, that one time had stores in them, and now they don't. Some have moved to other locations, but a lot of them simply didn't didn't make it. They didn't make it. Um, I think there used to be one called Papa's Pizza, um, and, and Papa's not there anymore. I don't know if he went to another location or if he went out of business, but the bottom line is it went out of business. And you know what's crazy? Not one of those people, not one of them, when they opened their business, said, you know what? I am so excited about opening. I just can't wait till we go out of business. I just can't wait for us to fail as a business. No one, no one would think that, and no one would plan for that, but it happened. But it happened. And here's the deal. It happens in our lives also. It happens in our lives spiritually also. You know, no one, no one wakes up one morning and says, well, maybe in this culture, maybe so, I don't know. But, but no one wakes up and goes, you know, I think I'll just give up on God. I, I think, you know what, church, church just isn't doing it for me anymore. I think I'll just give it up. You know, we don't do that. We, it, kind of, it kind of just happens over a period of time. And that's what we want to talk about today. How can we avoid going out of business with church, but mostly and more completely um, with God? Now, our first teaching point, I really want to just kind of dissect it for us because it really lays the groundwork um, for that, okay? So here's what it says. I'm going to read it to you a couple of times. Um, Unless your faith shows a continual profit, you are destined to go out of business. A real threat in this spiritual economy. Let's read it one more time. I really, this is one of the things, if you're taking notes, if you've got your, your worship event open, this is something you've got a slide for, but you might want to take some notes here, okay? Unless your faith 
shows a continual profit, you are destined to go out of business, a real threat in this spiritual economy. Now, I want you to notice, first off, unless you're faith. And you might want to circle that in your Bible, uh, you know, the word faith, find, find a place where faith is. And, or if not, definitely in, your, in the worship event. You know, what do I mean by that word faith? Well, first off, I was going to say something, and now I'm going to say it, but I'm going to caveat it, okay? You know, here's the deal. When I say faith, I'm not talking about you wake up one day and say, I'm done with God. I no longer believe in God. It is just easier to believe that a long time ago there was a glob of protein on some shore and the certain molecules lined up just right and they started quivering in the sunlight and all of a sudden there was a cell and there's six cells and all of a sudden we have human beings, you know? I, I just think that's easier to believe. I, 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 I'm done with God. That's not what I'm talking about. Because I, and I need to put the caveat in because would you believe that there are people who are walking away from the faith who no longer believe in God, who, who don't just quit going to church, who just don't quit doing the religious disciplines, they give up on God They right away. It's a crazy world that we're living in. But really, the faith I'm talking about for us, okay, how we, you know, how we can make sure our faith shows a profit, what I'm talking about um, is, is that day-by-day walk about faith. Well, let me read it to you. This is a time that I'll use the message, and it's Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. And keep in mind, the message is a paraphrase. It's not a translation. But occasionally, it does a really good job of saying what we're trying to say. Here's what it says. So here's what I say to you. Here's what I want you to do. Um, God helping you. And this would be Paul's words. uh, And he says this, you know, um, take your everyday ordinary life. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking about life, and place it before God as an offering. So we could easily put that word faith in there. Take your, take your everyday walkabout faith, your eating, sleeping, doing life faith. And that is the faith that needs to show a profit in your life. You may say, well, what is, what is profit anyway? Well, well, profit is when you invest, you pay into something, and then over time it grows until it grows more than. So, so when, your, when your investment, okay, has a greater return than what you originally invested, that's profit. That's profit. And we need to ask ourselves, and this is a very important question. You've got to ask yourself, okay? Now, some of y'all have been going to church so long, you'll never stop. But we've seen a lot of people who simply gave up on church, gave up on the church disciplines, those things. And the reason why is they would say it's just not profitable for them to do it. I, I go to church, and I don't really get anything out of it. I read my Bible. I don't get anything. I pray. I don't get anything. You know, you know I might as well do something else with my time. And, and when that becomes our attitude, then, then our faith is not showing a profit. We are destined to go out of business. We're destined to give up on God and the things of God. And here's what's scary. Listen to me. We're seeing it all the time. In this culture, in this culture, um, if you're afraid of where American culture is going, you need to be. You need to be. I've got more time during second service. I read something this morning, and Brent, I was trying to find, you know, I asked Google, this is one time, Google did not tell me. I asked Google, what is the percentage of people who wear a cross? Well, it didn't tell me. 
okay? But, but, I, but I, I kind of fell into a story about a woman who lived in London. And she said one day, um, first off, she said, English and Scottish women really struggle with wearing any kind of religious jewelry such as a cross. And the reason why is, they said, it's, it's like walking through society with a dunce cap on. It's that offensive to society. She said, I was in a restaurant, and I had my cross on, and she was a believer. And uh, the woman said, so are you a believer? Yes, yes, I am. And she gave her that, like, are you stupid look? You know? And, and, and she responded, oh, really? And walked away, and walked away. Now, in American culture, we see crosses everywhere. The worst person in town can wear a cross, and it's like, that's what you do. And, and English culture has got there, France has got there, and Canada's got there. And guess what? America is on the way. And that's why this sermon's important. Because you have got to get grounded in what you believe in and why you do what you do. Because if you don't, you will go out of business. Amen. And you'll find yourself, well, how did this happen? And that's what exactly what we want to talk about. What we want to talk about. So your faith has to show a continual profit. And it's a real threat. It's just a real threat that we could go out of business. So, so today what we want to do is we're going to look at first a bankruptcy story, okay, a going out of business story. Um, and then we're going to let Jesus talk to us um, from Mark about what he, what he says are three steps on how we can not go out of business, okay? It should be interesting uh, if you'll hang with me, all right? Now, now first off, let's look at this, this bankruptcy story. Um, um, this is... Uh, you know what, Nancy? Thank you for throwing that up. Thank you very much. She watches out for me because there's something I didn't cover in that teaching point, and that is this. You know, what we need to understand is, is that we can go out of business, and even when we're in church, we can go out of business. Here's the deal. In Proverbs 14:23, work brings profits, but mere talk leads to poverty. We somehow think that as long as we show up at church, that we won't go out of business. Now, I promise you that is not true. I, I did some quick math, and I might be wrong. I admit it. I might be wrong. But, but over the 20 years that, 21 years that I've got to be your pastor, um, then over that 21 years, um, whether it be me or Bryn or Jeremy or whoever it was, over that 21 years, there's somewhere around 3,000 opportunities to hear the gospel message or to be taught the gospel message. 3,000 opportunities. And people say, oh, that's really wonderful. But here's the deal. It is not how many times or how many opportunities we have that we teach. It's what we do with what we teach. Amen? It's what we do is what we teach. In fact, James said it this way in James 1.22. He says, listen, don't just listen to God's word. We've had over 21 years, we've had 3,000 opportunities to listen to God's word, okay? But he says, don't just listen to God's word. You must, somebody say it, do. You must do what it says. If you want to stay in business, you've got to do what the word of God says. It's not enough just to have a teaching opportunity. It's not enough just to hear the word. We have to do what it says. So now on to Demas. So we have this, this bankruptcy story, okay? And, and again, Demas, we don't know a whole lot about him, but he's mentioned at least three scriptures that are very important. So the first one's in Colossians chapter 4, verse 14, okay? And Paul is writing, and here's what Paul says. Luke, the dearly loved physician. 
Now, Luke, you remember, wrote the Gospel of Luke, but he also wrote the book of Acts. And he was so well-respected, okay? So Luke, the dearly loved physician, and here's our man, here's our man, Demas, send you greetings. Wow, this is big. You know why this is good? To even be mentioned in the same sentence as Luke was an incredible privilege. To even have, you know, Luke, the beloved provision. Oh, 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 and Demas. That's huge. That is just amazing, all right? So that's impressive. Then we move down to uh, Philemon chapter, tw- chapter 1, 23 and 24, okay? And Paul's writing again. And this time he says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Jesus Christ, that's impressive, okay, sends you greetings. And so do Mark... Aristarchus, here's our man, Demas, and Luke. Look what he says, my co-workers. So now now we've got Demas, okay, mentioned one with Luke. What incredible privilege that is. Mentioned with Luke, we've got Demas, and Paul says he is one of my co-workers. This dude's on a roll. This is the one that would be here week in and week out. He'd have heard a chunk of those 3,000 sermons over 21 years. He'd heard a chunk of them. You say, well, well, Demas Demas will never fail. Demas would never go out of business. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Because in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 10, here's what Paul has to write. For Demas, for Demas, in love... With this present world. A man who was mentioned in the same sentence with Luke. A man who is listed with three others as Paul's co-workers. Falls in love with this present world. How does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. It happens when either things got difficult... And things are going to get difficult in America because you're, it's, it's become less and less and less popular to be a believer. So, so, so what's going to happen? What, what happened with Demas is and hanging around with Paul was not a real popular thing sometimes. And so eventually Demas came to this conclusion that, that what is costing me to be with Paul and with Jesus and with God, you know, the God thing, was it costed me is no longer worth it. And when Paul, excuse me, when Demas went out of business, when he came to that conclusion that's no longer profitable for me to be a believer, he deserted Paul and went to Thessalonica. And I'm telling you, if it can happen to Demas, it can happen to you. The language lends itself very well uh, in love with this present world. Apparently, Demas decided to cheat on his faith. You know how a spouse would cheat on the other spouse? How they'll, how they'll undermine the love and the trust and cheat? Well, apparently, Demas is cheating on his faith. You know, James said in verse four, chapter 4, verse 4, You adulterers, that's a harsh word. You know, you adulterers, but don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Hey, don't you know, James, the half-brother of Jesus, you know, he's saying, hey, don't you know when you play footsie with the world, it kind of puts you at odds with God? 
Don't you know when you're in the same bed with the world, it kind of puts you at odds with God? You know? And that's what happened. You know, Demas played footsie with the world. Uh, Demas, you know, went to bed in the same world, you know, same bed as the world. And that caused him to desert Paul. You know, Proverbs, in the book of Proverbs, in chapter uh, 6 and verse 27, can a man embrace fire and his clothes not be burned? In other words, can a believer play footsie of the world and not get burned? Can, can a believer, can a believer uh, be in bed with the world, if you will, and, and, and not get burned? And guess what? You can't. Now look at me. You guys have, we've got to be strong. These are days for your faith to be strong. Okay? I want to make sure. I'm hoping that we serve up something here and in, in your small group time that, man, you, you want to come because it's profitable for you. But in order for it to be profitable, you can't just hear it. You've got to apply it, and you've got to do it. You've got to do it. Okay? So, so Demas, in this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. And I don't know, I don't know what was the allurement of Thessalonica. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what, what, you know, I don't know what they, he saw in Thessalonica that said, man, I'm going to get out of, I'm leaving Paul behind. I'm leaving my friends behind. I'm leaving God behind. I'm leaving Jesus behind. I am out of here. I don't know. I don't know. But can I give you some advice? If it's ever crossed your brain in this crazy culture that we're living in to go to Thessalonica, to leave, remember a couple things. Um, Number one, know where you're going. Before you walk away from God and walk away from church and walk away from the Bible and walk away from prayer, before you leave all that, know where you're going. And what you expect when you get there. What do, what do you expect when you get there? And the second thing is, before you walk away and go to Thessalonica, before you leave Jesus, you might want to ask yourself, who's going to replace him? What is it out there in the world that's better than Jesus? What is it out in the world that's so alluring that you can walk away from, from your Jesus world and go to that other world and, and find something as good as that? It's worth thinking about. It's worth thinking about. Our teaching point, you know, Demas. Demas, Paul, Demas, Paul wrote his legacy in 10 words. Demas... Regardless that he walked with Luke, Demas, in spite of the fact that Paul called him a co-worker, Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. Ten words. Demas isn't famous for the fact that he was named with Luke. Demas isn't famous for the fact that he was named a co-worker of Paul. This is what Demas is famous for. He deserted Paul because he was in love with the world. Before before you go out of business, before you reach that conclusion that it's not worth it anymore, that the cost of serving is so great, you think you'd be happier 
somewhere in Thessalonica. Um, you might remember this. You're writing a story with your life. And what story do you want told? I did a funeral yesterday, uh, Friday. Another one. Um, this was a friend of mine named Ken Smith. And Ken was a Cobden person. Uh, good friend, though. And he was one of the amazing apple knockers. Remember the amazing apple knockers? Yeah, he was one of them. And um, it's my privilege to stand before Ken. And I told the story about the apple knockers and some other things that Ken had done in my life and as a friend. But the greatest part of the story was is that he followed Jesus. I mean, he consistently followed Jesus. And that was really a cool uh, part of his story. So, so you need to ask yourself the question, you know, when it comes, like that song said, when it comes to the end of the road and someone's standing at your casket and the preacher's talking about you, or when you're older and one of your grandkids says, hey, Papa, can you tell me a story? Amen. What story are you going to tell? Do you really want to tell the story about how you walked away from Jesus? You really want to tell the story about, well, you know, I used to go to church. You know, I used to, but I used to pray, but I used to read the Bible, but do you really want that to be your story? I don't think so. I really don't. I'm, Facebook friends, I don't think it's your story either. We would much rather tell a story of faith and commitment to Christ. And the scary part is, the scary part is, hey, mama, daddy, grandma, grandpa, listen to me. You don't know this, maybe you do, but the story you're writing is going to become your, could become your kid's story and your grandkid's story. Amen. The example you're setting for them is going to influence the story that Phil probably writes. This is a big deal. Don't go out of business. Don't go out of business. I love you, and I love you enough to tell you, don't go out of business. And, and, and the good news is, there are ways. You know, you know, the choices, the choices that you make today, the choices that you make today can save you from spiritual bankruptcy. That's the cool part. You can start, you can start today. You can start today. And guess what? Start making better choices, and it will keep you from spiritual bankruptcy or spiritually going out of business. But listen to this. The choices you make today can send you into spiritual bankruptcy. So what choices are we going to make? Are, are we going to rise to the occasion and realize, whoa, 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 I, I've been duped, I've been duped. Okay, Satan's been telling me this doesn't matter. Um, you know, people have been saying it doesn't matter. We live in a culture where it doesn't matter. Wait, I've been duped. Are you going to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus is better than anything. And you know what? There is profit in church. There is profit in church. There is profit in worship. There is profit in the teaching of the Word of God. There is. Goes on and says this. Billy Graham said, you can't change your past, but you can change your destiny by deciding can't change. And the great part is, you know, God forgives the past. But here's the deal. You, you can't change it, okay? But you can't change the future. But you have to make these commitments that I'm talking about 
today. This, this has to be important. The Bible has to be important. Prayer has to be important. Jesus has to be important. Those things. That's how you change your destiny is by deciding for Christ. Yeah, I love real quick. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a groupie of Dave Ramsey, uh, you know, the, the financial guy on the radio. But I am a, a, I like what he says. You know, his big deal is get out of debt. Good advice. Get out of debt. And, and then he teaches how to do that, okay? And, and here's the deal. You know, he'll have people come on his radio program, everyone he does, everyone he does, and they'll, and they'll be there to tell their story. I was, I was $57,000 in debt, and, and through, you know, through discipline and through hardness, never is an easy story, through discipline and hardness, we paid that $57,000 off, and now we're debt-free. You know, ask questions like, well, how much money did you make, and how did you do it, and what do you think? Ask all those questions. And then at the end, he says, okay, would you like to do a debt-free scream? And they say, yeah. And so they go there and go, one, two, three, we're debt-free. And it's wonderful because there's, it's a scream of freedom. It's a scream of freedom. We, we can have the scream of freedom. We can have the scream of victory if we decide for Christ. If we say, I'm not going out of business. Hell, you can't do it. Satan, you can't do it. Friends, you can't do it. Hey, hey, Mr. Brother or Sister who failed and, and now you've whacked up somebody else's life. Hey, you can't do it. I'm in it for the long haul because I love Jesus. Amen. That's it. That's it. I love Jesus. You can't change the past, but you can change the future. All right, real quick. Let's look at these three things. They're familiar, but let's see if we can put a little spin on them that will help them be fresh um, today. Our scripture is Mark chapter 8, verse 34, okay? And, and here's how it starts. Here's how it starts. And calling the crowd, okay? So, so Jesus has a crowd, and he calls him, hey, y'all come up closer. And he calls the crowd and his disciples. Here's what he says. If anyone would come after me. So he starts with a call, an invitation to come to him. And the biggest step, the biggest step in being, being uh, protected against going out of business is make sure you answer the call of Jesus Christ. Amen. Keep that fresh. Keep that fresh in your mind. Church is important. Reading your words, his words important. Praying is important. But answer the call to stay close to Jesus. Um, you know, there's something about, you know, teaching point. You know, our, our following Jesus. Let's just stop there for a minute. Following Jesus. And, Following Jesus was never meant to be a fire escape. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, we, we sell it that way. Yeah, we don't we don't say it, Brent. We don't say it this way. But here's how we how it comes out. You don't want to go to hell, do you? Then you better trust Jesus. Well, that's true. You know, if you trust Jesus, you don't go to hell, and you do go to heaven. Now, I'm talking about authentic faith. Okay, you don't go to hell, and you do go to heaven. That's cool. But that was not the whole picture. Never was. Never was. Following Jesus is so much more than a fire escape. It's, it's so much huger. Huger, that is not a word. You know, bigger. It's bigger than, than that. You see, we can't, you can't separate forgiveness and following. They're married together. 
it's a more religious word for you if you need that. Um, you can't separate salvation and sanctification. They're married, they're married together. And, and, and somehow, what we've done in America, and trust me, this is true. What we've done in America is we've sold the salvation part, but we never told the people what's expected after. I mean, the way I said it was this. You know, too often in the, um, in the heat of the hunt... You know, we forget to tell them the cost. You know, there's nothing like leading someone to Jesus. And boy, when somebody comes to my office or whatever, however it happens, you know, and they come and, and you can see, boy, they are interested. And you want, them so, you want them so bad to trust Jesus that sometimes we forget to tell them, oh, by the way, that's what this means. Oh, yes, it means he'll forgive your sins. And yes, it means he died on a Roman cross to pay for your sin. And if you're willing to turn from your sin and follow him, he'll forgive your sin. We got all that. We just don't go beyond that. We tell him about the forgiveness, but we don't mention the following part. We mention the salvation part, but we don't mention the sanctification part. Uh, often when I present the gospel, I might spend 90% of my time talking about, you know, how, okay, and 10% of the time talking about what follows. I think I got it backwards. See, the, you know, the gospel, you ask how simple the gospel is? You know, you believe by faith. You acknowledge that you're a sinner, that you sinned before God. You believe that Jesus died on a Roman cross and paid the price because the payment for sin is death. And then the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so, so we, the gospel is you turn from your sin. You, by faith, you believe in Jesus. You turn from your sin and you follow him. I think we've got it backwards. We need to spend about 10% on how it happens and 90%, oh, by the way, and this is what it means to be a Christian. Again, we have raised generations of weak disciples because we're not explaining the cost. We're so anxious to have them accept Jesus, we don't tell them what it means to be a Christ follower. And guys, they're shocked. They wait and they, and they want to go, wait, I didn't, I didn't know about this part. It may not change their mind, but, but I didn't know about this part. I didn't know this part. So, so it's just hugely important. Following Jesus is a 100% all in, you're God and I'm not commitment. You need to hear that. If you're thinking about Jesus, if you're on Facebook today and you're thinking about Jesus, if you're on the radio today and you're thinking about Jesus, you need to understand something. God loves you. God wants to forgive you. But you need to understand it is a 100% all in, you're God and I'm not commitment. It's not a fire escape from hell. It's a commitment to follow the king of the universe and beyond. That's what it is. That's what it is. Anything else is outside the biblical definition of a disciple. We, you need to understand this. When you understand this, then you'll stay in business. Because you'll understand what God has done for you and what now you can do for God. See, make no mistake. Make no mistake. Admission to the family of God comes prepaid. A mission to the family of God is paid. He paid the price on a Roman cross. If you want to use a wedding analogy, okay? You know, you do the I do thing. I do, okay? And after the I do, it's not performance, it's love. If you, if you can teach each other to stay radically in love in marriage, you don't need to worry about performance. Because love involves that. But you do it because you love the person not because you have to. 
See, so, 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 so make no mistake. Listen, salvation is free. But the family business will cost you everything. That's the truth. That's the truth. A long time ago, when I was doing some marriage counseling, do not know where this came from. But it so impressed me, I put it on a piece of paper under the glass on my desk. It's been there for 10 years. You know what it says? It's pretty profound. It says, I do doesn't mean you're done. I do does not mean you're done. It's true in marriage. But it's true with Jesus. Amen. Once you say yes to Jesus, that's not the end. That's the beginning. And that, the beginning of an incredible journey of serving the King of Kings, loving the King of Kings. I mean, Jean and I have been married for 45 years. And I loved her when I married her, and I'm more in love with her now because she's easy to love. She got the short end of the stick, not me. But I'm more in love with her. And that's, that's how it's supposed to be with Jesus, Brent. You, you fall more in love with Jesus as you go. You don't have the opportunity to be stale. So let him come after me. Let him deny himself. Deny himself. <laughs> this is not popular. Dying to self. Denying self is dying to self. You know, there's a little cute thing. Um, joy, joy. Jesus, others, you. If you want to know, what does it mean to deny myself, Dwayne? It means you put Jesus first. Amen. He's first before your wife, your husband, your children, your hobbies, your job, your title. He's more important. Jesus. Secondly, not you, others. Others. We put others second. And then we have ourselves at dinner line. See, 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 Jesus was the guy who would walk in the room, and Jesus was the only guy who could walk in any room and deserve to be the guest of honor. Amen. Guess what he did? Yeah, he would wash feet. He feet. Did I say feet? It's a bad morning, Rebecca. He would wash feet. He would touch lepers. He would, he would invite tax collectors to be a part of his group. That's what it means to deny self. Deny self. See, our teaching point is that the Christian life is not about self-promotion. It's about self-denial. You, when you come to church, you are not a consumer. You are a servant. You know, the church is the only organization that exists for him and for those who are yet members. We don't exist for each other. We exist for God and the people out there who do not know Jesus. Amen. That's what we are. You know, so, so the Christian life is not about self-promotion. Because of the church, I have a Sam's Club card. But the bottom line is, someone had to pay for that. You know, Sam's is a place you've got to pay to shop. What? You have to. Okay. So you're a member of the club. So, so I go to Sam's. And, and, and I buy stuff. I really do like Sam's. And, and I buy stuff. And it used to be, you know, you just walked out the door. Phase two was you had to show your receipt at the door. Phase three was they would, they would scan your receipt and go, okay, thank you. And out the door you go. Oh, no. Now, phase four is, phase four is, you know, you, they, they scan your receipt and then they scan at least one item in your cart. Then it was two items in the cart. Now, it's three items in the cart. Now, I can go to Walmart, and nobody scans nothing. I don't mean, I don't know if it means that, you know, they, they, they trust 
Their people less, or, or like David Hicks said, they gave up on it. I don't know, but why am I paying to shop and they're treating me like a criminal? Amen. There's a point to this. Because you see, I'm entitled. I pay money, Mr. Sam's Club, to shop in your club. I have entitlement. Why are you treating me this way? That's self-promotion. I give money to the church. I come to the church. I do this at the church. I do that. That's self-promotion. Well, the life is not about self-promotion. It's about self-denial. See, the truth is, I know there's a reason they do that. They're, they're trying to, you know, they would say, well, we're trying to stop shoplifters because if we can stop shoplifters, then the prices are lower and you benefit. Oh, I don't want to think that way. I, I'll be honest with you. I walk up, I go, and why are we doing this again? Can you tell me why? Because I'm entitled to walk out these doors. So the Christian life is not about self-promotion. It's about Self-denial. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, Paul said, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better, more important than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. See, the self thing works in fast food. You know, the self thing works there. Burger King tells me all the time, okay, you know, have it your way. Hold the pickles, hold the lettuce, special orders don't upset us. All we want to let us have it your way. That works for Burger King. Oh, oh, and McDonald's says, I deserve a break today. That works for fast food. It doesn't work in the Jesus culture. Jesus, others, you. Jesus, others, In Mark chapter 8, verse 34, you take up your cross. Taking up the cross is, is an expression of our love, and it's our identification with the Lord Jesus Christ. Take up the cross. The cross is not your wife. The cross is not your husband. The cross is not your kids. It's not your boss. The cross is you identifying with your king. And the cross is you expressing your love for that king. John Piper said, you know, the cross is not a mere event in history. It's a, it's a way of life. Take up your cross daily, Jesus said. And, and um, David Platt said, in a world where everything revolves around yourself, protect yourself, promote yourself, comfort yourself. You know what Jesus said? Yeah, this is popular. Crucify yourself. This is the gospel. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you know, 25 years ago, this, that was important, but it's going to be a lifeline right now. Because if you're going to not go out of business, you've got to buy this stuff. Because it's the Jesus way. It's not the Dorsville way, the Southern Baptist way, the religion way, the church way, the works way. It's the Jesus way. And it is, it is the only way. Nancy, going down to the last... Mark 8, 34D. The last thing he says, and follow me. And follow me. It's, it's time for you to leave and cleave. 
Bruce Wilkerson used to teach that in marriage counseling. It's time for you to leave where you were and follow him. Follow him. This is powerful. Our last quote, and we're done. Following Jesus isn't something you can do at night or on weekends or when it's convenient. Following Jesus isn't something you can do at night where no one notices. It's a -a 24-hour-a-day commitment. Now watch this. That will interfere with your life. If you do Jesus the Jesus way, it will interfere with your life. It will mess with your life. My friend Donnie Billman, when he was sharing uh, the gospel witness and he would pray for people in the benevolence, you know, outside our church, the benevolence people, he would say, oh God, please trouble them. Trouble them. I wonder if it's time we need to be bold enough to pray, God, trouble us. Trouble us. Trouble us. It's a -a 24-hour-a-day commitment that will interfere with your life. And I love this. That's not the small print. That's a guarantee. That's a guarantee. If we are going to survive, you know, some of y'all have been wanting me to preach about this end time stuff and about where we are spiritually. If we're going to survive what's coming up in the coming years, this is the path. Because I'm telling you, you may think, well, you know what? My life is pretty good, Dwayne. I'm not sure how much I need Jesus right now. I'll need him when I die, and I'll need him when I get cancer. And I'll need him. There's coming days in our society when you're going to need Jesus. Amen. And now's the time to strengthen your business so you stay in business. Amen. There's a song that the team's fixing to sing. Take up thy cross and follow me. I heard the master say, I gave my life to ransom thee. Surrender your all today. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I heard a message. I was at the IBSA conference. And there were two, there was, there was like two styles of preaching. Um, there were two. Jackie, did you hear any of the preaching at the annual meeting? Oh, my goodness, son. We had two African-American preachers. And they, the first guy lifted me up to heaven. And the second guy, somewhere beyond that. They were incredible. They were incredible. Well, sandwiched in there was a young man. Um, I think, I know he did the very best he could. But the presentation was so stern, I came across feeling like I need to go home and quit. I mean, it was such a strict, hard message. I want you to know something. I hope, I, I would consider myself a failure today if that's how this is being perceived. I love you. And I know there are difficult times coming. And only those who are determined to stay in business will stay in business. It is not a time for less of Jesus. It's a time for more of Jesus. So we need each other And we need like Jesus like never before. Like never before. So this is our decision time. I've mentioned this several times this morning. And it all begins right here with faith in the man who died on the cross. That's where it begins. 
and my friend Brent's going to be standing out front, and we would love to share with you about how you can have a relationship with God through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the rest of it's for us. There's two kinds of people listening to peoples. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> there, you know, there's two kinds of people listening you know, on Facebook or on the radio or here. It's those who have trusted Christ and know that and those who haven't. So the rest of us who have, let's make it a time to make sure we stay in business. A time when we are fortifying our faith to stay in business. That, that no matter how difficult the spiritual economy gets, we will stay in business. And then, and then we're going to prepare our kids to stay in business. And we who have white hair are going to prepare our grandkids to stay in business. Because believe me, it's going to be essential. So God, thank you for the privilege that's mine to share this truth today. I want to pray in Jesus' name um, that there's someone here who needs Christ, that today would be the day that they would say yes. And God, thank you, Father, for clearly teaching, not necessarily from, from just this morning, but in your word, for making it crystal clear that following you is the highest calling that we'll ever have. And Father, help us to stay in business. Help us not to throw in the towel. Help us rather to be strong in you. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.